I've always believed in, you know, manufacturing sites of doing something called um, innovation backwards. Um, to be more creative, um, you know, by being more vulnerable and showing some of those things. And, you know, and I've shown some of my team some of these things. You know, being childlike. Uh, so, you know, not, not forgetting that sometimes we can be childlike. Hello and welcome to The Common Creative. My name's Chris Meredith. And I'm Paul Fairweather. And today's guest is the amazing Bronwyn Powell, a stellar marketing director from the world of packaged goods and, uh, and fast food. She's worked at Mars, Coca-Cola, Amatil, and knows everything there is to know, I think, about big brand marketing. And despite the fact you might imagine she'd be full of long words and strategic high-blow thinking, We spoke about little things. We spoke about getting into a different environment. We spoke about note-taking. I was fascinated, Paul. It was great. And what I loved about it, Chris, it was a great conversation. And when we got into it, I I think um, we were maybe not such great hosts because we were all talking. And uh, (laughs) something came out of the conversation, which I think was prompted by you, is this idea of harvesting your notes from your notebooks on a regular basis, having the discipline. And I thought that was a really interesting word that came out of the conversations. Um, that it's about, you know, it's not curating, it's harvesting. It's it's taking the good stuff. It's sorting out the wheat from the chaff. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was a fabulous idea. So uh, yeah, let's, ha- let- let's let's get her in. <laughs> let's do that, Bronwyn Powell. A huge welcome to the Common Creative. Many thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Chris. Nice to meet you, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, great to have you on the show, Bronwyn. Now, Bronwyn, we go back a long way. I don't, in truth, I can't even remember if we first met through George Western Foods or whether it was at Young KFC. Um, but if I might flatter you for an, for an instance, you have a stellar track record in the in the world of marketing, and particularly in the food industry. You've been a director of leader of marketing in companies like George Western Foods, in Mars, in Coca Cola, Amatil. Um, KFC Oporto. It's a huge, it's great to reconnect with you and have you back on the show. Can't wait to hear uh, a few ideas and stories that matter. Great, thanks, Chris. <laughs> now you've just revealed that you've, um, you've, you've, you're doing a bit of a pivot, if I can use that dreadful jargon word, and you set up your own business, and it's called Curious Marketing. Why? I'm curious to find out. Is it called Curious Marketing? Well, that is an interesting question. Um, I actually did set this company up a little while ago um, and it's probably because um, my passion is around curiosity. Um, And if I have a motto, it's about the five whys. Ask why, 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 and keep on going until you get to um, the true deep insight. And um, I suppose I'm a bit famous in what I've done in the food industry for asking too many times, too many questions and getting to that why and that insight and then um, turning that into a commercial success. So um, that's really what I've been known for. And so hence why my company is called Curious Marketing. So, Brahman, of course, I have the obvious question. Um, why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 What? Oh, you are serious. <laughs> right. 
So why? Now, what, 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 why, 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 you know, where does that passion come from, or you know, why, why, why does this drive you? Um, oh, look, I, look for me. Um, I think uh, probably about twenty years ago in my career, I really started to understand this whole piece around actually making and selling products that actually connect and connect with um, consumers and connect with that deeper human connection uh, and they're the ones and that's the, that's the comms and that's the innovation that really is successful. Um, if it has that deep connection and that deep understanding often rooted in a great human insight, um, that's the pieces that people talk about in culture. They're the products that people talk about in culture. They they uncover a really true unmet need or, or, or deliver to that. So that's why I have a passion around it because that's the stuff, quite frankly, that's going to make any company a success. But also make make you famous. Make you famous in the marketplace. Why, why do you think people don't adopt ideas more quickly? I, I sort of feel like on this in this podcast, we've got three very creative people. And you, you said just now you love experimenting in the kitchen. And you I must have, I imagine you've got herbs and spices everywhere. I should confess, by the way, I have a particular uh, theory, which is that no one has ever written an accurate recipe book. And it's up to me to make the recipes correct. doesn't matter who the author is. Um, but a lot of people don't have that same sense of adventure. Um, why not? And how can we encourage them to embrace new thinking? Well, I believe that everyone has it, by the way. But I would say in my DNA and having done my values, and I, you know, I, I know I have a sense of adventure, so that probably does make me curious and gives me the values that um, wants to you know, go and seek out this type of understanding. But I think everyone's got it. I think you just need to you know, dig a little bit and I think you just need to get into a different environment. I mean, I've been in some of these sessions and with people before where you just get them out of the office or just get them into another environment. And really the storytelling starts, the insights start from them. Um, and that's why I'm a big believer in a lot of these types of um, gathering sessions that you bring a really big cross-section from the company. Um, I've always believed in, you know, manufacturing sites of doing something called um, innovation backwards. Uh, which you take the operators who work on equipment in a in a big you know Mars uh, manufacturing site and get them to tell you what you know what 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 are some of the ideas and once you get them going uh, get them you know they're talking I tell you what you can come up with some brilliant ideas everyone's got it in in them and so often I find it's those people who whose job title suggests something very routine be they in production or in finance those kinds of areas are the most creative and they're sitting on these ideas they just don't think it's mm. their role to contribute them so yeah i love the sound of that what was that innovation backwards that's definitely what to talk about i, I suppose just in in terms of those process processes how do you go getting the you know the people who think it's their job to come up with the ideas to listen you know to the people on the line or in, in a backwards innovation process <laughs> and most of them are marketers i'd say um, who are the ones who probably need to listen so um in the past i've actually you know done some buddy system to be honest with you which has worked really amazingly well um so you know more some more junior people with some of these really senior experience you know operators and the like and put them together so they can actually you know try to learn something from each other um because both have both mm -hmm. have things mm -hmm. to learn so i think doing buddy systems and getting that one-on-one -on -one sometimes happening uh, works really well in that type of environment. Um, but I think also just trying to open up people's eyes to some of those possibilities because, as Chris says, once you, you start to open the eyes to what could happen, um, the ideas start to flow. And, uh, you know, I'll give you another term, Chris. We used to call it pimp my asset. 
Um, so pimp my machine. Um, you know, what can I do to pimp it? You know, I've got a piece of pig kit out there in a factory. If I just add something to it, have I pimped it? Yeah. I agree, Bromman, that it's there's people all across organisations that can get ideas. So uh, I'm assuming that you're, in your approach is to you know, allow that, to set up programs to, or structure a creative culture to allow that sort of upfeed of ideas from, from anyone or from various organisations besides the buddy system? Look, I, you know, I've been in lots of organisations where they do let's get the suggestion box out. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of that because um, although everyone has ideas, um, they then need to be curated and, you know, and developed and, and probably greenhoused is the other word that I'd say because um, ideas that just raw aren't always necessarily commercial yet. So I, I, I'm probably a little bit more in the how do you do it in a structured way. I mean, I've done a lot of design thinking um, type of work when I was in Mars. And as I said, we would bring, I had, you know, our manufacturing lead in there and a couple of others. So I probably would do it more in a, you know, a little bit of process around it. So we've actually got a problem that we're solving. But the other thing is I do think everyone needs to get all of the facts and all of the data and the immersion piece. Um, and, you know, when we did that process um, uh, on designing something in the herbs and spice area, um, as I said, we had a, quite a number of manufacturing uh, colleagues in there, but they actually had to go off and do some interviews themselves. So they had to go and talk to a consumer. So we set everyone up online to go and talk to a consumer. Even I had to go and do it as the marketing director. Um, as daunting as that may be, to talk to a real live consumer. Um, but it was great fun and that's a piece that everyone loved the most is um, being able to just go and talk to the final customer or consumer. Well, I'll give you my feedback. I, I find it really hard to get that little plastic thing off the top. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll so, send it um, on to my, some of my ex-colleagues from Mars, but, you know, we have actually broken down when I was there quite a lot of the barriers consumers had already, but there's probably a lot more. <laughs> and, again, that's it. It's observing how people, you know, use the packaging. Yeah. There's, there's a tension actually, there. <laughs> There's a, I've done some work over the years with Audio, you probably know, yep. uh, design firm from North America mm. or the Northern, Northern Hemisphere. And they did a fantastic uh, jug, a watering jug, that basically you could tell how much was in it because it was on the sight line. You know, so for particularly for people that couldn't bend down. So instead of having to lift the jug up to see how much water you put in it, you could see it because it was oblique view. And I thought, you know, that, that's a classic example or they just went and saw how people use this mm. product and go, well, that doesn't work, you know, because you, some people can't actually get down to, to look at it. So you look at it from above. So which is a good, I suppose, metaphor in itself for <laughs> looking, looking down well, on a, uh, a creative problem. I'll tell you a story like that. When I was at SPC, which was part of Coca-Cola Amazon at the time, um, we were trying to design uh, fruit products in those little cups uh, for older consumers. And the big tension that they have is a lot of them have arthritis. Um, and can't actually grip the cup to pull it. So um, after quite a lot of work uh, with the manufacturing team, we actually worked out to get a mould where you actually would have grips, very, very small grip um, component within the packaging to get over that tension. Um, and so that um, particularly in hospitals and aged care, that product could then get used very easily by that end consumer. And, you know, and that's minutiae detail, um, but it's overcoming a massive tension that was there with the product. Bronwyn, I'm guessing the word immersion is an important word for you uh, because 
it's a jargon word that's used about going out into the field and talking to ordinary people about how they use brands and products and so on. But it's all, when we chatted on the phone, I think you talked about immersion in nature. And I, so am, am I right? This, what does immersion mean to you and what does it give to you in the world of innovation and creativity? Well, um, I think I really discovered it during um, the pandemic over the last few years uh, when I would do my daily walk. Um, and um, I'm lucky enough to um, have a house that's very close to a beach um, and, and, and near a lot of nature and near a lot of national parks. Uh, so I started during that time a little Instagram uh, that was all around flora and fauna and small things um, and small things in the world. And some of that would be when I had a problem, and as we know, we're all on Zoom way too much on that screen, I'd actually get up and go for my walk to uh, try to actually unlock that problem that I had um, or that, you know, that tension I was trying to solve. And going through, it would go always try to find one small thing on my walk that was interesting and... Um, you know, I had, I've got things on my Instagram pages like a jelly blubber, you know, tied up with um, some seaweed. Um, I've got um, some storm um, happening, some storms happening and wood coming up, you know, the river when we had some of the floods. Um, I've got crazy things like, you know, bees in flowers, but they're all very small things that um, kind of unlocked my thinking. And I can tell you one day during, uh, you know, the first stage of the pandemic, I had a massive um, issue had to unlock with my agency which we were launching a social hub which was a very creative piece where we thought we all had to be in a room and put you know the creative up on walls and as I walked the streets looking at nature and, and thinking about things thinking there's got to be a different way for us to do this and I've got to tell you myself and uh, my wonderful you know accountant from Cleminger at the time we solved the problem walking the street and, and talking about what we were looking at and probably me being out in nature um, and finding that and stopping and watching stuff gave me a very different way of looking at stuff. It's probably a little bit like being in the shower in the morning where they talk about getting the aha moment. Yeah, yeah. We've um, heard from a wonderful guest earlier on, uh, Michelle Locke, suggested there are, the brain needs four things in place to have that aha moment. Uh, one is, is to be relaxed. Second is to be positive in a good mood. Third is to be inwardly focused. And then the fourth, this is the really weird one, is to be not focusing directly on the topic at hand. And I think if you immerse yourself in nature, if you get into the shower and let your mind wander, that's exactly what's going on. And you're setting yourself up for creative success at that, that point. The thing I find so amusing is that this, this does seem to be something that a lot of people discovered from the pandemic. And yet we've been challenged to be innovative. We've been challenged to be creative for so many years. And, and the solution was always to get into the office and work longer hours and to kind of push yourself harder. And this suggests the opposite is true by relaxing and kind of getting away from it maybe in nature, you, you, you become more creative, more innovative. Well, I think, um, you know, it used to be the old put the notepad next to your bed um, and when you um, have the aha moment at 1am in the morning, you know, get up and, and write it down. Um, I have to say I am an avid note taker. Anyone who knows me, I have so many books and notebooks that just have ideas in them. Um, I have one little one that I walk around with that has just ideas that come to me at, probably some strange moment, mostly when I'm in the supermarket because I work in food and I've seen something that's sparked a, you know, giving me a connection. Um, and that's the piece, the connectivity when you're in other places that you, oh, that could actually work in, you know, in my category or in my business or what I'm doing or in this problem that I've got to solve. Um, I hadn't thought about that like that. 
So I think um, it's just constantly being attuned to where those ideas could come from like that. And, um, you know, probably being like me, I'm old school, I'll write it down in my little book um, or I'll put it in my notes page <laughs> of my phone. I have to say I've got one of them going as well, which I, is my go-to too. Yes, it's, it's, and the hard thing is to, you know, I find that I get, you know, too many different places where I put these. Um, I think it's very interesting what you, you were saying, Chris, and also Bronwyn, you were talking about. Um, just actually last night I was listening to a All in the Mind podcast from the ABC uh, about the mind wandering, um, and it was absolutely fascinating. I, I must go back and look at it. Uh, it's uh, The guy was... Um, uh, Moshi Bar, a cognitive neuroscientist, um, and it was really, really interesting. And and and, and I think there's something, and I and, and I have to go back and finish it. But I just wonder if it goes into that, you know, not only letting your mind wander, but that you know that physically physical wandering as well helps channel that 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 thinking of, of the mind wandering. Um, I hope it's a challenge to us all. I mean, if in a way we've become wiser as a result of the pandemic because we've been thrown into this situation of confusion and we've discovered these new things like like immersion in nature like making notes as you go along what's to stop us going back to normal as and when we get back to normal how do we preserve these learnings so i'm a big um, advocate for the hybrid um, and going back to normal only where we need to go back to normal so we need to go back to normal to connect we need to go back to normal to collaborate. And um, I'm sure you guys as, as creatives agree some of that spark of having those sessions and that magic together in the room is what, you know, some of us have probably missed in um, in this world of, of Zoom. Uh, so I do think we need to get back to doing some of that. But I do think we need to still keep the trust that we've got in people to work however they're going to work and get their inspiration in whatever way they get their inspiration. And as I said, you know, I've cracked some big ideas, walking the streets, walking the beach, mm. um, talking to people, doing different things. Um, I, you know, I used to have an oval. I walked around. I tell you what, I cracked a big one that night when I walked that oval and we had a big problem talking to someone in my team. So I think we've just still got to allow that, um, that ability to happen. Uh, that's a quite amazing that you just mentioned that. Chris and I have just got off a call where we've decided we're doing a little lunch bite in a couple of weeks. And the theme is going to be around hybrid working. So um, <laughs> I, I, I truly, you know, and I, I, I like the way that you've compartmentalized and said, you know, connection and, and collaboration, you know, maybe needs to be face to face. But there's another part, big part of it, as you say, which is based on trust. Uh, what, what, what do you get in the sense in the, in the corporate world or in your world that there's an acceptance of that or people just know, just get back in the office? Like, what, what do you feel the mood is? Do you think there's an acceptance of it? Uh, well, I would say that a lot of people have got pretty used to um, sitting on their chair around their kitchen table and, you know, doing their washing at lunchtime and uh, putting their dinner on and, um, and working through all of those things. So I do think it's probably, you know, quite tough to get people back to the office. I know talking to a lot of people that they're talking to CEOs, obviously want everyone back in the office. I think a lot of the leadership teams want people back. I definitely think everyone I'm talking to in the industry um, is talking about hybrid um, because, look, I don't think we need to learn to trust. Haven't we been trusting everyone for the last two years? Haven't we seen? I mean, I know in the business I've just come from, my team were more productive and 
and develop more ideas and we're more successful <laughs> working in that way. So I think it's demonstrated. Bromley, can I just go back to something you mentioned, which really sparked my curiosity. Uh, you mentioned taking notes. I've, I've got a notepad in front of me now. I've been scribbling down notes. So I'm another note taker. I just want a very practical question. What do you do with notes? How do you make the notes valuable? Because it's one thing to write them down. It's another to harvest the themes or the big ideas. Or Do you have a routine to make that happen? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, and uh, I do do a harvest, and I like that word, actually, so I might have to distill that one from you, and I, I like stealing shamelessly, by the way, Chris, because that's another way you get ideas. <laughs> yeah, please do it. Uh, steal shamelessly. <laughs> uh, but, yes, I do do a harvest, um, and I do set time aside each week to do that, uh, and, and I do it into buckets is what I, I do it into. Um, but I'm a little bit like you, Paul. I have to say I've probably got a few too many books going, so sometimes I have to go, was that in that one or that one? But um, one of the things I have learned, having studied quite a bit, and I've done quite a you know, few, few things since I you know, was back at university, is a lot of the ways that things go into my head is by writing it down as well. Um, it's a lot of the ways that it goes in and I can think about it and it gets digested. And then when I go back, and I'm thinking about how can we then unsolve this problem, that's when sometimes I'm harvesting when I'm in that mode of the problem-solving piece. But I do take time to do it. Um, I will give a plug for moleskin. I am a moleskin addict. Um, in mm. fact, I recently just moved and found a full box of a lot of my old um, notebooks, which was a bit scary, I have to say. That was a major harvest for me. <laughs> um, but uh, to me, it, using that is like connecting the dots. You know, so there may be one thing on one page that, that connects to something on the next page that connects to the next one that then gives me a spark of an idea or, or an early concept for something. I think that's um, that word harvest, and you've called it a harvest. Is that what you call it? Uh, it may have come from me. I think it, oh, came, from I you, think it I... came from Chris. <laughs> Well, I, well, well. It, look, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Wherever it came from, and part of the I thing think it's is, too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, you mentioned before earlier. You mentioned you know the greenhouse, you know, as a as an incubation thing, and you know, I've always thought about you know you know curating my notes. But I, I I do love that idea of harvest, and I've got boxes full of old notes, and some of them have some doodles and sketches, and and most of my notes I can't read, so it's totally useless keeping them. But uh, and we've talked before on a podcast uh, with. Um, his name escapes me now, Chris, uh, from Melbourne, the uh, AFL guy, um, Cameron Schwab. Uh, Cameron we have, Schwab we, yeah. We've had uh, a note before from Cameron Schwab, just, uh, and he talked about the discipline of curation, you know. Uh, but there's something about curation where it's more like rearranging thing. I love this idea of harvest that, you know, like, and that you're picking. And, and Chris and I often talk about planting a seed or an idea. And, and when you plant a seed, you know, Chris points out that when they first shoots, you don't know whether it's a weed or a or a herb. We spoke about herbs, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or some other plant, and you've got to nurture them all until you get to the point you go, "Well, that's a weed," and you rip it out. <laughs> and I think ideas is a lot like that when you're taking notes and thoughts. You know, there's probably a lot of crap in there, or uh, uh, the wheat and, and the and the chaff, or the you know the chaff, yeah, to to, to go through and harvest. So I think. Um, if anything else, uh, you know, that's, that's been a, a great insight led to by your own process. Um, and I think we have something also in my mind about the wandering cook, you know, like, you know, the wandering, the thought, the harvesting. And, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a great imagery. 
Well, just say, it all comes back to that word we started with about curiosity. Is that I think a curious mind is a, is a is a note taking mind. I've spotted something that's interesting. I don't yet know what it means. Uh, I think if you're an author, you know, you write down little quotes, things you hear people say. If you're an artist, you you little sketches as you go, something you spotted. You don't yet know where that's going to go, and I'm guessing ninety nine percent of it isn't going to go anywhere. But in amongst those notes is going to be one thing or one percent which goes. Ah, there's magic there. It connects to something else. I can build something new around that. So, I guess my question is, do you agree with that? That if you're a curious mind has to make notes because they're always gathering information to answer questions they have. Yeah, I mean, I I have to admit that uh, one of my strengths in uh, the Gallup Strengths Finder is, um, I think it's um, an informer, or uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's one of those... um, it's one of those people who um, are like a walking filing cabinet. Um, I know in my last job, it was like, oh, do we have a note about um, X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, yeah, I know exactly where that is. And I think that's probably because I've got this curious mind that's like, okay, I might need to come back to that. I might need to come back to that. That might be something that can connect to something else in the future. And, you know, I have a massive filing system, in one in my mind, but two in my computer that is all these pieces of data and, and bits and bobs of everything, I think, that can... Um, that can lead to something in the future. And I suppose I just want to build as well, Paul, on what you said about the word curate. It's my favourite word of the week. I was in a, a board meeting last week. We were talking about training and, and the like. The world is full of so many data points and so many pieces now that I think the word curation is kind of the new word and the word du jour, I think, because, you know, I kept on saying we just need to curate things more for people um, and probably curate it for yourself in terms of how do you connect all these dots to what makes sense. Are there any particular digital? You mentioned moleskin. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff well, online. Well, I'm an Evernote, helps you. Evernote fan as well. Um, I have to say Evernote is a um, fantastic tool, um, which I use. Um, I'm not a, a professional user, but I have been using it for a long time and I have got a lot of notes in there. I do use Apple Notes as well. Um, and I and I take yeah. pictures and put them in there. So, um <laughs> Yeah, often I'm out for a walk and I see something and I take a picture and I put it into a note that I've got a note about things. I've got uh, probably about 500 notes on my Apple Notes and a lot of them have photographs of different things that are in there as well. Um, the problem with you, you're talking to two visual thinkers, yeah. so you've hit a kind of a whole passion point there. Um, I, I, it struck, it's, so you mentioned the idea your, your Instagram account is something that's kind of new, came about as a result of the, the pandemic. How has it been for you, sort of starting to express yourself visually, as opposed to, you know, as that business person who writes maybe flowcharts and bullet points and so on? Now it's a, there's a visual side to Bronwyn Powell. How have you found that? Well, it's interesting because it's sort of like I'm not really sure I want too many people to see it because it feels a little bit personal. You know, it feels very personal. Yeah, and, no, you know, that's fine. So um, there is a little bit of that that I'm a bit, you know, ooh, you know, I'm not an artist, uh, but I've certainly got, you know, that that right side of the brain thinking. Um, I think you have to to be a great marketer. Um, you need both. <laughs> so and hopefully yes, you've got yeah, hopefully you've got both. Um, but you know, I think to me. It's an area that I'm actually trying to explore more. Um, it's an area that you know I'm trying to bring more into probably the workplace as well. Um, I think that shows a little bit more vulnerability as well. And as we let down um, let down the walls around us, obviously you know that puts us in a much better place for creativity as well. Again, how do you build trust? How do you you know get get people working in the workplace? 
um, to be more creative, um, you know, by being more vulnerable and showing some of those things. And, you know, and I've shown some of my team some of these things, um, you know, for a little bit of a giggle, I suppose, but, you know, also to sort of encourage others to do things like this too. I, I think that's, I think it hits at, a, at, a, at the nub of the, you know, or the problem or, you know, as the creative, we get to a point uh, and, and I, look, I, as a visual artist, I've experienced it my whole life, you know, about putting things out into the public, you know, and, it, you know, and, and I'm listening to you thinking, oh, that's interesting that you don't want many people to see it. But when I, when I first showed some paintings within an architect's art show, um, I didn't put a price on them, not that they were priceless, but I, I couldn't, you know, believe that anyone would pay money for them. So I just, I, well, no, I put them in NFS, you know, not for sale. So, but I, and I do understand, and I have made the mistake of sometimes, you know, in exhibiting works of not curating. So, you know, I, I'd probably give a tip back to you that if you want to put something out, you know, start another um, Instagram page uh, and curate the very best pieces and just put them out there because then, and just see what happens. Um, to be honest, you know, a lot of people look, but then again, people, a lot of people aren't paying attention anyway. But it's pretty amazing, you know, what can happen. And I did the same thing with my watercolours. I was painting watercolours for a whole month. I did it for the year of COVID. And it took me a month uh, before I put my first one up. And, I, and I've painted for 20 years. And I've had exhibitions and, you know, stuff like that. So I understand it. But I do encourage you to take that next step and, and make part of it public. Um, Robin, just to explain, Paul is an Archibald finalist. So oh, he's not just a, well. an amateur watercolorist. This, this is somebody who I think has earned his spurs in that area. So that's a very good tip. Well, you might Paul. be intimidated I send, by my, I send, my. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Paul. No, you go. You go. Sorry. sorry. No, you go. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I better not start putting my paint by numbers pictures then out there against an Archibald. So. <laughs> it's, 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 I, I did my, my little journey on being a, a visual artist, a photographer rather than a painter, but it's, it's, I, I have experienced the pain of using business tools in my photography, you know, planning and um, briefing and delegation, and all those kind of tools you find it very useful for a creative project and equally the inspiration and ideas you get from creativity can inform back into the workplace and I, I've for a long time battled that connection because it didn't want to pollute one with the other and the more I go on the more I think the two are so strongly linked and it's so important to kind of connect the two so um, anyway I think it's very exciting what you're doing visually I'm sure you're right that it it does make people more vulnerable it does make people's work more powerful so I hope everybody gets some inspiration from that. Well, there's nothing like um, you know posting on your um, your team's WhatsApp you what you've um, designed for dinner that night with um, as I was saying your your other inspiration, which is another place. So um, yeah, I, I used to do that. I do, I've done that a lot with food inspiration. So maybe I can start to do it with um, some of my photography or or dare I say my paint by numbers. But um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Well, I don't think it really matters, you know, and I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it matters, you know, whatever the expression might be, whether it's, you know, whatever you need. Uh, and there's some very famous artists out there that actually, you know, they don't paint by numbers, but they do um, trace. Uh, they project things onto a wall, but they don't mm. admit it. You know, and that's not, you know, that's not a big step from paint by numbers. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so... But I, I, my encouragement for you is just to put it out there. But I do 100% understand 
the residents and the, and the fear that comes with it, which is a big part of the creative process. Um, I'm just cognizant of the time. I, I think we probably, unfortunately, uh, our time is um, up, Bronwyn. It's been fantastic having you on the show. I think it's been a, a, a really interesting insight around curiosity, uh, you know, wandering, and this concept of harvest and greenhousing ideas, which I think has been fabulous. So, uh, yes, Bronwyn, anything else that you'd like to add? Um, or, you know, just some final thoughts and like it doesn't have to go in or whatever but just interested if there's any other comments that you had uh, uh just trying to see what i've got here um no um i i you know the only other thoughts i had was um around you know being childlike uh so you know not not forgetting that sometimes we can be childlike and i suppose having two 11 year olds helps me to <laughs> be childlike but um every now and then you just need to let your hair down you just need to be a bit crazy probably with people who you feel safe with <laughs> very safe with and you just need to um be yourself um you know and and let that go and i mean i think over my career i've tried to really nurture that with a lot of different mentors people i've worked with different agencies different people i feel that oh you know friends of course you know relatives but you know i have a lot of people in the industry who i feel like that and feel safe about that you can you know just let that sort of go so i think they're the people you often want to work with because you can have a lot of those sort of really good deep conversations with them too so um and and you know let your right brain loose is what i would say <laughs> uh yeah it's been a huge pleasure thank you so much for joining us my pleasure, Paul and Chris. Thank you very much for having me along. And um, I think I might go off and go for a bit of a walk and take some photos and curate them. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Bronwyn. It's great. Well, it's a great interview, uh, Chris. It was great to have Bronwyn on the show. We've got to wrap this outro up quickly because I've got to go out for a wander. Yes, we should all spend more time in nature, shouldn't we? I agree with you. Grab a camera, take photographs, immerse yourself in nature. Now, we're hoping people are going to have lots of questions and comments about this podcast. If so, pop them in the chat box below. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love it if you press like because that makes us feel good. And, of course, it helps others find the show as well. So hit like if that's what you want to do. And if we may, we're going to do a quick plug for a little event we've got happening this Wednesday on the 18th. 18th of May. Uh, it's called Lunch Bites. Paul, why don't you tell them what that's about? Lunch Bites, 12.30 Australian time, Eastern Standard Australian time. It's about ideas and stories that matter and it is focused this week on hybrid working, a topic that Bronwyn brought up and uh, it's fantastic. And Chris has a special offer for our podcast listen. There's normally a nominal charge for this, but for our very special podcast guests, we'd like to offer it for free. Hit the link below, go through to Eventbrite, which is how you book your tickets, and enter the discount code PODGUEST, P-O-D-G-U-E-S-T, and that will give you a free place to our lunchtime lunch bite session uh, on the hybrid working and ideas and stories that matter. Hope to see you there.